In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning, we hear of the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. This parable gets preached on often. It's a favorite for many reasons. Maybe some of them uh, not as good reasons as others. But this is a very rich parable. We have, of course, Lazarus, a man who is destitute, who does not have a home, who sits outside of the gate, not only sitting outside the gate, but he's full of sores, and all he wants are crumbs. And then we have the rich man who lives in this house, who has everything that he could ever want, and he knows that Lazarus is just outside of his door. They both die. Lazarus is taken by angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man goes into the depths of torment. There's an encounter that occurs between them, between Lazarus and the rich man, but it's through Abraham. He sees, the rich man sees Father Abraham, and he asks for mercy, and he wants Lazarus to come because he sees Lazarus afar off, and to cool his tongue. Abraham said, says to the rich man, Remember in your lifetime, you received good things, Lazarus evil things. He is comforted now, you are tormented. Besides this, there's a great gulf fixed between us that we cannot pass. So the rich man realizes, okay, there's not much I can do about my situation. But what about my brothers, my father's house? Maybe if Lazarus goes, rises from the dead and testifies to them, they will avoid this place. But Abraham says to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. The rich man thinks, okay, I heard Moses and the prophets, and I'm where I'm at. No, no, Father Abraham, we need someone to go risen from the dead, and then they will repent. Abraham turns to him and says, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, one rising from the dead will not be able to persuade them. I would like for us to focus this morning on the last bit of this parable, which is usually the part of the parable that gets looked over. Abraham's decisiveness about the, mo- the need to hear Moses and the prophets. That those who are going to be saved will need to hear Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets. So, for many explanations of this parable, we can historicize it. We can put it back in its context, right? This is a parable for the Jews. This is pre-resurrection. So, this message about Moses and the prophets, this is a message to first century Jews for them to accept the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're the ones who rejected our Lord because of their extreme devotion to Moses and the prophets, which the extreme devotion to Moses and the prophets not being the problem, 
but that they didn't fully understand Moses and the prophets. And so with their eyes and their ears, even when they saw miracles, when they saw the way in which our Lord taught the words, the truth, all of the things that our Lord brought, they could not see it, they could not hear it, for there was as a veil before their eyes. The message they have, Moses and the prophets, is not just for the first century, but is also for us. For we have Moses and the prophets. So the question for us this morning is, what do we do with Moses and the prophets? What do we do with the Old Testament? Do we heed and listen to Moses and and the prophets. First, I think we have to get down to brass tacks. Do we know Moses? And do we know who the prophets are? There might be a basic need for us to familiarize ourselves with Moses and the prophets. We as the church uh, have an inheritance. We are the spiritual Israel. We come as Israel. We are not disconnected from the revelation to Israel. We are the inheritors of the promise that goes back from Abraham on. The Old Testament scriptures are, especially for the New, the New Testament church and the early apostolic church, and to this day, when they were talking about the scriptures, they were not talking necessarily about the gospels or the epistles of Paul. They were talking about the Torah. They were talking about the five books of Moses. They were talking about the historical books uh, for us, kingdoms or kings and Samuel and chronicles. They were talking about the Psalms. They were talking about the prophets. These were the scriptures. We, as the spiritual Israel, were grafted on to the promises to Israel. And when St. Paul considers Moses, the Psalms, the prophets, he calls them tutors or pedagogues of Christ. For us to understand who we are in relationship to God, it does not mean that the Old Testament is kind of a shell or something that we maybe get a few high points out of and then leave behind. It's kind of like you get up on the roof and then you kick the ladder out from underneath of you because you don't need it. Well, you need the ladder. You need the Old Testament in order to encounter Christ. We cannot understand Jesus Christ if we do not sit at the feet of Moses, and if we do not hear the words and actions of the prophets. So, knowing Moses, what does it mean to know Moses? There's many aspects in which we can talk about knowing Moses. We can talk about knowing the man Moses, his righteousness, his struggle, his, as he's known throughout Scripture, to be the meek one. We know him especially as the one who brings the commandments of God, the leader out of Egypt, but the one who goes up on the mount and receives from God the commandments of God. Now, we need to, probably you're thinking maybe of, uh, is it Charles, Charles Heston or I forget, I'm, I'm dating myself here, uh, the, the movie, The Ten Commandments. We have all of these things stuck in our head, well, maybe some of us do, I think I saw it once, 
Um, but we have, even if you didn't see the movie, you probably got in Sunday school growing up or just from the culture around you, these ideas about Moses uh, or the ideas of what the law are and especially maybe, uh, I don't know, debates about whether or not we should have the Ten Commandments in public spaces or something, right? The law is not just the Ten Commandments. I think that is something that is... Uh, that we kind of default back to when we talk about the law of God when we oh you mean the Ten Commandments I mean the Ten Commandments and the rest of it if I remember uh, the ways that the uh, rabbis would account for the commands of God it's 500 600 something commandments uh, of God within the Old Testament so when we are talking about knowing the law this is, on one hand, yes, the Ten Commandments, and there is a particular way in which we can come to know Moses and sit at his feet. very traditional way for us to prepare for confession is to go through the Ten Commandments, to see how we have uh, broken the law, how we have put before us other gods, how we have um, destroyed others around us, how we have not fulfilled our basic duties to God and to those around us. There is a necessity to understand God's commandments that falls outside of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are kind of like a basic roadmap, but you have throughout Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then throughout the rest of Scripture, the ways in which we need to approach God in God's holiness. God's holiness, as we see as he comes down on Mount Sinai, that only a few select or allow to go up into the cloud, and those who are even at the base of the mountain are required to maintain purity, sexual purity, but also purity of Remembering who God is, which, as we know the story, especially probably from the movie, that when Moses comes back down with the Ten Commandments, Israel has already decided to abandon God and feast before the idol, the golden calf that they make. But the commandments of God that we find within especially the Old Testament clue us into the nature of God. For when we do not have God revealing himself to us, we're kind of lost. We don't really know who God is. And so we always end up making idols. God's holiness demands our holiness. And if there's anything that you can take away from the history of Israel, especially from the first five books of Moses, is that this is serious business. To encounter God's holiness requires obedience. It requires keeping the commandments. We as Christians have not been, we have been freed from the law in a certain sense, but in another sense, we are to keep the law, especially as we have found it in Jesus Christ. But how do we know this? How do we understand this? How are we to be taught this unless we immerse ourselves within the scriptures? And by scriptures, I mean especially the Torah, the historical books, the Psalms, and the prophets. Psalm 118, which we sing at the funeral, Bless art thou, Lord, teach me thy statutes. Uh, the constant refrain throughout the psalm is this intense devotion to God's law. 
to God's statutes, to God's commandments, because we will come to know him, we will come to know ourselves, and we'll come to know which way we should walk. It's how the rich man would have avoided the end that he came to. So we have come to know Moses, and how do we know the prophets? Well, the prophets were men raised up by God to speak against Israel. Men who are raised up to not only speak, but also to do a lot of, well, in our day and age, probably some crazy things. Men who are raised up to speak, even if that meant that the king or the queen, say maybe Ahab, Jezebel, or even the people don't want to hear it. And they put their hands over their ears. Prophets who speak against the idols, who speak against Israel for forsaking the commandments of God, forsaking the law of God, and going off as the King James would have it, a whoring after idols. I want us to think about one prophet in particular, and this is Nathan, when he is to confront King David, who throughout Scripture is usually put before us as the great counterexample to uh, the sinful Saul, the Saul who took off after his own ends. We have the holy David, the one who restores worship, the one who build, who wants to build, but at least restores the tabernacle, wants to build the temple, the one who has done so much good things, a man after God's own heart. But it's David who connives to kill a man in order to have the man's wife, who commits adultery, but worse, murder, in order to feed his selfishness. So Nathan has to confront the king. Nathan the prophet, as the prophets before him, Samuel, and the prophets after him, they are to confront David. They are to tell David, as Nathan says, you are the man. To put ourselves before the feet of the prophets is to put ourselves in the place of David. To put ourselves before Nathan to hear of the stories of Israel and to not say, where is that person so I can go and get them as David did, but to hear what Nathan says as he says, well, that story is actually about you. Do we have the heart, the eyes, the ears to be able to encounter the truth? Or as James in his epistle tells us in reading scripture, that we encounter in the mirror of the law ourselves and it creates a crisis for us. What are we going to do? Are we going to shudder and then do something about it? Or are we going to shudder and walk away from the mirror and say, okay, I, I might have to deal with this at some point, but today I'm going to put this aside. Immersing ourselves in the prophet is to truly see, the prophets is to see ourselves, to become the man. If the rich man had heard the prophets, Lazarus would not have been at his gates. Lazarus would have been clothed. Lazarus would have been attended to. The rich man would not have a gulf fixed between him and Lazarus. The rich man would not be asking Father Abraham for a drop of water. The rich man 
would have known and heard Moses and the prophets and responded with his heart set upon the holiness of God to follow after God no matter what. For us this morning, if we would like to know Moses and the prophets, this requires of us, of course, the study of Scripture, placing ourselves before Moses and the prophets, reminding ourselves of the holiness of God, remembering who God is, who we are, and it's looking into that mirror, encountering the truth, and then resolving to deal with it. On the road to Emmaus, Luke and Cleopas are wandering along, talking with each other about all the events of Jerusalem. And unbeknownst to them, Jesus Christ joins them. And he's asking them, what has been going on? What are you all talking about? Uh, Of course, Luke and Cleopas are like, surprised. How do you not know what's going on? The latest gossip. There was a man, a Messiah. He came, he did things. But then he died, and so now all of us are a little confused. What are we supposed to do? What does our Lord do? He opens to them Moses and the prophets. He preaches to them and expounds to them from the scriptures. Later, when our Lord is taken away from their presence, and Luke and Cleopas talk to each other, they remind each other, did our hearts not burn within us? as he spoke to us from the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, let our hearts burn within us as we read and contemplate and sit before Moses and the prophets so that we may encounter Jesus Christ, the truth, the fulfillment, the completion of the law, the completion of Moses, one better than Moses, one better than Abraham, one better than Solomon, one better than Aaron, We can go on. One better than all of the prophets, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. We come to him through Moses and the prophets. And we want our hearts to burn within us as we encounter him, that we may be saved, that we may be within the bosom of Abraham. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.